the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. They call the Gentiles to be sensitive to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let me tell you why this is important. Because every single one of us who claims to know Christ as our Savior, hear me on this, we do not live a life unto ourselves alone. We live our lives unto God, and we live our lives with others in mind. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through the book of Acts. Jesus' blood purchased great freedom for his people. We are no longer bound by the letter of the law. Instead, we obey the law of love, which is infinitely higher and more profound. In today's message, Pastor Gary cautions us to never use our freedom in Christ recklessly, for we can become a stumbling block to other people. We should always put the needs of others before ourselves. And if that means that we must abstain from that occasional glass of wine at dinner or forego that movie on opening night, you do so out of respect and love for other people. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary for today's message from the book of Acts, chapter 15. We shouldn't create a burden on the Gentiles who have come to faith in Jesus by requiring them to become Jewish because it's a direct line and they can get saved just like we can. But then James says, but I, I want to submit that there are four things we should tell the Gentiles not to do. And he lists them there. Now, they're going to get listed again a little bit further down, so I'm going to comment on it, but let's wait till we read it further down because they're going to put it in a letter. They're going to draft a letter. And they're going to send it back to the church at Antioch with Paul and Barnabas so that people can know what the, the Jewish council in Jerusalem has decided concerning Gentiles being believers. So, so keep reading. Verse 22, And then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas. Barsabbas translates in Hebrew, son of the Sabbath. And Silas. We'll circle that name because he's going to become a major traveling companion of Paul's in his next missionary journey. Okay, that's Silas. Two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them, they sent the following letter. Here's the letter. 
the apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Here they are. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. All right, so that's the letter. And by the way, notice the way it starts. They, they, they kind of, like, this is kind of a word that's been used in the political realm these days. They disavow, all right? They disavow the, the, uh, these people who go up to Antioch and say, you got to become Jewish in order to get saved. And, and the, the Jewish ruling council here writes this letter and say, we, we didn't send those people. We, we, had, we disavow our relationship with them. Uh, they, they came on their own accord. We didn't tell them to come. And so in the letter, they basically then whittle things down to four major things. They're like, you Gentiles, you're free to be believers. We get it. You can go directly to God through Jesus. But we're going to ask you to do four things. And here's the list of the four things. Okay, I'm going to just summarize the four. Here they are. Number one. Don't eat food sacrificed to idols. Number two, don't eat blood. Number three, don't eat the meat of strangled animals. And number four, don't commit sexual immorality. Now, you might read this list, and I will tell you that over the centuries, many people have read this list, and and people have scratched their heads. Like, why these four particular things? You know, why why not other four things? Why not be sure that you keep the Sabbath? Why not... You know, don't murder anybody. Uh, You know, a a few of the main important Ten Commandments. You know, don't covet. Uh, You know, don't... uh, There could have been a variety of things that they said, but, you know, where does the list stop? Because if they keep making a long list, you're going to be back to the heavy burden of the law all over again. So they're trying to just consolidate a few things to four. And what they end up coming up with are basically three rules of dietary and one rule of morality. The first three are the rules of dietary. Uh, So it addresses what to eat and what not to eat. Now, you have to bear in mind that they are writing to people who are Gentiles, who have come to faith in Jesus, all right? These Gentiles are not familiar with Jewish law. They they don't know the Jewish scriptures. Uh, They've come to faith in Jesus out of a very pagan world. So these Gentiles, first century A.D., They are Greco-Roman in belief and behavior, all right? They believe in all the polytheistic gods of the Greeks and the Romans. Those are the Gentiles. They they haven't been worshiping the God, the singular God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They've been worshiping Zeus and Apollo and Aphrodite and Poseidon and all all these figments of man's imagination. So one of the things that that the early church is addressing is, You've been living a, living a pagan life, living in a pagan world, and now that you've come to faith in Christ, you need to be aware of a few little essential things. The first here is about not eating food sacrificed to idols. Now, here's how it was back in the day. You live in the, in the Roman Empire, first century A.D., your, your local butcher, you know, if you went down to Sam the butcher to get yourself some, 
you know, some ribeye, okay? All the meat that is offered there for sale has already been dedicated at one of their pagan temples. That's the way they would do it. They would take an animal, sacrifice it to, to Zeus, and then they would sell it in the market. So, there was this thought that the Gentiles were like, you know, it's no big deal, we're going to eat it. But to the Jews, they saw the meat as being defiled because it had been offered to idols. So, out of, really, the idea here is, out of consideration for your fellow Jewish believers, don't eat meat that was sacrificed to idols. And along the same lines, as far as the dietary law goes, don't eat blood. Now, in Genesis 9, right after the flood and Noah and his family came off the ark, God said to them in uh, Genesis 9, verse 4, that they were free to eat from any of the livestock of the earth, but that they were not to eat blood. And Leviticus talks about the, the life is in the blood, and God had just prescribed, you don't eat the life of the animal, drain it of its blood. And in the pagan culture of the Roman Empire, people would, some would drink blood. It was just no big deal. They would drink animal blood and think nothing of it. In addition, that's why he says, don't eat the meat of strangled animals, because an animal that was strangled still had its blood within it. But if an animal had its throat slit and the blood drained, then the blood had been drained out of the body. So it was all of this dietary stuff that Leviticus 17, Leviticus 18 talked about, Genesis 9 talked about. And so the, the Jews, the Jewish ruling council were saying to the Gentile believers, you need to be aware that your Jewish believing friends have a problem with this stuff. Now, why about the, the one issue, the one rule of morality? Why sexual immorality? Why that particular rule? Because again, they're coming out of a pagan culture. And sexual promiscuity and immorality was rampant. All you have to do is read a little bit about the Greek and Roman empires and come to that conclusion. It was rampant. So when they came out of those pagan lifestyles, where do you start? You know, have, have you, did, when you got saved, there were probably a lot of stuff you were doing that as you came to faith in Christ, you maybe, maybe not all at once were aware of some of the stuff that's not right. And so you began slowly over time as you became aware of it and grew in your faith and knowledge of Jesus and became mature in your faith. You began to realize, ah, better stop rolling doobies. You know, I mean, you, you just eventually got to that place where, you, where uh, you weren't aware of that. And then, you know, and then you started growing your faith. You're like, ah, I probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. And so you, you came under conviction. So, like, where do they begin? Well, because sexual immorality was so prevalent, still is in our culture. But, but even in those days, they're like, we're going to start here with one rule of morality. How about you, you don't commit sexual immorality? Just enjoy the gift of sex that God has given within the context of marriage and anything outside of that, don't do it. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly why they only came up with these four in particular. What is the one thing that these four have in common? That it is one rule of dietary, uh, sorry, three rules of dietary law, one rule of morality, and they end up being four rules of sensitivity. The one thing that all four of these regulations have in common is this. You Gentiles are new in your faith. So we need to make you aware that your Jewish believing friends, these are, these are Jews who also believe in Jesus, just like you Gentiles believe in Jesus. They're going to be offended about some things. They don't eat blood. They don't eat the meat that's been offered to idols. They, they don't eat 
animals that have only been strangled. Okay? This is offensive to them. Your immoral lives, you, you, need, you need to recognize it. You need to change some behavior here because these are offensive to them. And he calls them, he meaning James, but really the whole Jewish council, they call the Gentiles to be sensitive to their brothers and sisters in Christ. Now let me tell you why this is important. Because every single one of us who claims to know Christ as our Savior, hear me on this, we do not live a life unto ourselves alone. We live our lives unto God, and we live our lives with others in mind. I want you to leave Acts for the time being and go to Romans chapter 14. Because Paul is going to talk about this very issue in Romans 14. And I want everybody to understand how this really applies to us today as well. This whole idea of living a life out of sensitivity to other people. Other people who are Christians, other people who are non-Christians. So in Romans chapter 14... If, if you don't know where Romans is, it's just the next book over from Acts, then Romans, chapter 14. Uh, let me read verses 1, 2, and 3 first. Verse 1, Paul says, Accept him whose faith is weak, without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I don't know, I, you know, that isn't to say if you go vegan, you're, you're weak, but it just, I'll, I'll explain in a minute. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Okay, now this is the opening part of chapter 14 here. Let me, let me just summarize. He, he, again, he's talking about in the day, in the day there were some foods that were offered to idols that were considered to be unclean. There were some believers who realized, you know what, that, that ribeye was first dedicated to Zeus. That has defiled it. I'm not going to eat it. And there were other people who would say, Zeus schmooze. He's not a real being. He's not a real God. I don't really care what people say they've dedicated it to. They could have dedicated it to the man on the moon. No such thing. I'm going to eat it. And they would eat it with a clear conscience. Well, somebody else was like, we can't eat that. It was offered to idols. And they had a conscience that convicted them. And Paul was saying, you know what? They're both right. They're both right. Because if one man's conscience says, I can't do that, even though it's not spelled out in Scripture. Again, we're not talking about clearly defined commandments in Scripture. We're talking about things that he refers to here in verse 1 of chapter 14. Look at it again. Disputable matters. He says this is not necessarily a right or wrong issue. It comes down to personal conviction. He says if somebody has a personal conviction that if they eat that ribeye that was offered to Zeus, it's defiled, they don't want to put it in their stomach, and they don't want to eat it, then you have to respect that. But at the same time, if somebody else says, I have a freedom to eat it because Zeus isn't even real, we need to respect that. And each other can't judge the other because that's wrong. But we have to make sure that whatever we decide to do in terms of our freedom doesn't offend someone else whose faith is, quote, weak. Now, by weak, what he means is they may not have the same freedom. It doesn't mean that they are less of a Christian. It means in their conscience, they don't have a clear conscience to do something that you might feel the freedom to do. So, okay, look at them as someone who is maybe not, as, not with the same convictions that you have, but honor and respect that. 
And therefore, don't do something that would offend them just because you want to exercise your freedom in Christ. I'm free. I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't violate Scripture. No, that's not, that is not a right Christian view. And there are some people who think that. They're like, well, unless I see a verse about it, I'm going to go for it, and I don't care what other people think. Well, first, you better care what God thinks because it may not be defined specifically in Scripture, but you better listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit because He might bear witness to you about whether it's right or wrong. And on top of that, you better be careful about other people because if you're aware that they are offended by it, even though you have freedom, don't do it. That's so restrictive. I don't want somebody else to tell me what I can or cannot do. You know what the idea of Romans 14 is? It is the idea of you don't use your freedom to stumble someone else or to cause someone who's not a Christian to decide they don't want to become a Christian because of the exercise of your liberty. In other words, the idea is this. You may not be under the law of Moses in the sense of rules and regulations because there's some liberty in Christ but you are always under the law of love. And sometimes, sadly, friends, we care more about our liberty than we do loving our brother or sister in Christ. We do. We care more about the exercise of our freedom than we do loving other people. Read further in Romans 14. I want you to see this with me. Verse 13. Still here in Romans 14. Look at verse 13. Therefore... Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Okay, so Paul says, you know what? I have a clear conscience, okay? But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat... You are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Okay, so he's saying, you know, don't let somebody else judge you if you have a clear conscience. However, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us, therefore... Make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Everybody see that? I'm going to read it again. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But if it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone... But it is wrong for a man to eat anything... That causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. Your attention again. You get the point he's making here? The Christian life is not living on an island. The Christian life is keeping others in mind. And God always is preeminent in your life. And that means this. You might have certain liberties. But if you know it's offensive to somebody else, give up your liberty for the sake of that brother. You don't, you don't have to do that. Now, you, you might be able to do it in a way that doesn't then offend your brother, like in the privacy of your home. So, in other words, this. Are there, are there disputable matters today? There are plenty of disputable matters today. There are disputable matters of doctrine. 
You know, is it tongues or no tongues? Is it pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib? Should we be baptized, baptized by immersion or baptized by sprinkling? Everybody's got a view about it. Is it tongues? Is it interpretation? Is it baptism? I mean, all this stuff, okay? There's, there's disputable matters of doctrine that are non-salvation doctrinal issues, just differences of opinion, and there are disputable matters of just how Christians live their lives. There's disputable matters of things like music, what, what, is, what is okay music to listen to? What is not okay music to listen to? There's disputable matters about attire. What is okay to wear? What's not okay to wear? You've been to some churches where they scrutinize what you wear? I've had people come to me and say that they actually, some ladies have been to certain churches where their hemline was measured with a ruler at the front door when they came in church. You think I'm kidding you? There's disputable matters of attire. There's disputable matters of movies, what kind of movies we should see or shouldn't see. There's disputable matters about smoking, chewing, or dating girls who do. (laughs) There's all kinds of disputable matters. And alcohol is a big disputable matter. There's some Christians who feel some liberty. You know, there better be agreement that drunkenness is a sin. But then at what point is the buzz okay? <laughs> For that reason, that there are some who are convinced like it's no big deal. And there's others who are like, you know what, I just don't want to drink at all. And let me tell you something. Nobody should judge the other person because unless it is clearly defined as a commandment, there is some liberty in some of these disputable matters. Having said that, don't use your liberty just because you can. Live your life in such a way that builds each other up. What did he say about mutual edification? Let us, verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So listen, if you have certain liberties about certain ratings on movies, and you're going to have some other Christian friends over, or even non-Christian friends for that matter, because you don't know where they are in Christ, and maybe you are a stepping stone or a stumbling block to them coming to Christ. Every single one of us is either a stepping stone or a stumbling block. You get that, right? Everything about your life is either going to be a stepping stone for someone to step towards Christ or it's a stumbling block, whether they're saved or not. But let's say you have some people over to your house. You want to show a movie. You want to get Netflix. You want to get Netflix going, okay? You might have certain liberty with a certain rating, but you should ask, are you okay with this? I don't want to show it if you're not. And defer to them. And if you already know before asking, don't show it just because you have liberty. Well, it's my house. It's my Netflix account. It's my house. I don't care. They're my guests. If they don't like it, they can leave. I don't know why I went all Alabama on you right there, but, you know. But nevertheless, you get my point. It's, it's like, don't have that attitude. Don't be sitting in my house like, I don't care if, they, if I smoke. You know, smoking won't make you go to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there, you know. But I'm, so... You're like, I don't really care. It's my house. I'm going to do whatever I want. You know, I mean, I have some personal convictions about that stuff, okay? You know, I think your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. But, but see, so that, that's a conviction for me. But, but we have to be careful that over disputable matters that are not clearly outlined, that we have to come under our own conviction. Our conscience has to convict. And if it doesn't, we might have liberty. But even if we have liberty, we don't necessarily do it for the sake of other people. Is everybody understanding me on this? So, so recognize this. This is part of Christian maturity. It is not just getting to do jolly well what you want to do because I'm free in Christ. It is about recognizing that God needs to be preeminent in my life and I need to be considerate of other people. 
It's vertical and horizontal. That is incumbent upon us as Christians, that we love others more than we love our freedom. There's much more to glean from the pages of Acts and the history of the early church, but we'll pause our journey through it for today. Join us next time as Pastor Gary continues to share the the power of the Holy Spirit with us. If you'd like to learn more about Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary, or the church these messages originate from, we encourage you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. Browse through our archive of previous messages while you're there. And feel free to share them with friends and family. Download our mobile app as well to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Pastor Gary has also made available a study guide to accompany his series in Acts. You can find this digital booklet in companion resources under the Teachings tab. Do you live in the Leesburg area or will you be visiting in the near future? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday to spend time in prayer and worship and studying the Bible. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc for service times, more information, and directions. If you can't join us in person, don't worry. We live stream our services. Just click the link under the teachings tab. Thanks for joining us today. And be sure to tune in again for another edition of Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul. That you've got no place to go. But still you know. You're not a Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.